Tim Frazier has been cut in the NBA seven times. Seven times they have told him, you're not good enough. We're not renewing your contract. Go home, whatever it is. The Washington Wizards, New Orleans Pelicans, twice actually, Portland Trailblazers, Pistons, Magic. And I have this picture. It's actually in my office right here, and it's signed by him. And it was after COVID. People are like, hey, you're never going to make it again. You've been cut seven times. Um, they said he couldn't shoot the ball. He would follow me and Dame around everywhere and just worked on his shot the last however many years. After COVID, it's super hard to get a job now. And uh, there's a picture of him standing like this, screaming. He has a Be Better, Be Different wristband on, and he's wearing a Memphis Grizzlies jersey. And he got a contract with them after he had been cut like seven times in the NBA. So you talk about character, work ethic, and accountability. That's the formula. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Basketball Strong Podcast. I'm Tim DeFrancesco, former LA Lakers strength and conditioning coach and doctor of physical therapy, and I'm here with my co-host, Emmy-nominated writer and author, Phil White. This podcast is not just for basketball junkies. It's for anyone who loves to hear the human stories behind great people while learning the science behind preparing your body for the court and high performance. Today's guest is Phil Beckner. You may have heard of Phil from his incredible work as the personal skills coach to NBA superstar Damian Lillard, but you probably haven't heard what his path looked like to get to that. You can follow Phil on Twitter at Phil Beckner, that's at P-H-I-L-B-E-C-K-N-E-R, or go to his website, developtocompete.com, that's D-E-V-E-L-O-P, number two, compete, C-O-M-P-E-T-E.com. In this episode, Phil shares his journey, countless leadership lessons, what it means to be better, be different, and how he gets the best out of some of basketball's most elite players day in, day out. Let's get into the conversation. Coach, from afar, it it appears to me that you spend most of your waking hours these days pouring into others impacting them and you've you've made that your life and it's 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 really great to see and i really appreciate how much you share of that of kind of your thoughts and what you do with that but somewhere along the line i have to imagine somebody poured into you somebody impacted you as a young man as a young player and i'd love to know who that person is yeah, um, that, that's a really tough question for me because I had, I think, so many people along the way. Uh, you know, a little, little bit of my backstory, um, I grew up in a you know pretty broken home, actually. So went through a lot of different stuff where you didn't have the most um, secure family background all the time. But there were coaches and mentors and teachers, you know, really along the way in my life that impacted me. So it's really, really hard to pick one. Um, if I take the shortcut to this answer, part of me, how you open this up, you know, with uh, impacting others and serving others, a guy who's had a tremendous impact on my career the last probably eight or nine years is Rod Olson. Uh, he's a leader of leaders, coach of coaches. I heard him speak at an FCA conference when I was actually leaving the Oklahoma City Thunder. And this guy, his stuff was so good. So truthful. Uh, Tim, I was sitting there and it felt like he was just punching me in the throat as a leader, as a person and as a coach, just challenging me to look within to get better. And, you know, there are probably 150 coaches at this conference. And I walked up to him afterwards. I was like, I need you in my life. 
I need you to wow. mention him. And he kind of laughs it off. And this dude, I mean, he's big time. He works with the Navy SEALs. He used to work with the Pittsburgh Pirates, Texas Rangers. He's been all over. So I read his book. We stay in touch. Um, long story short, it's about two years later. I'm coaching college, and uh, I still feel like I'm, I'm not doing good enough. And I remember we were flying from Boise to South Carolina for an ESPN tournament. And I texted him, and I just said, how much? Give me the amount. Whatever, since you're not going to like whatever it is, he's like, I don't need your money. Let's start with a, a three-month program. And three months is now going on probably eight years, nine years of him mentoring me. So, Rod, the last, the most recent mentor has been huge in my life. Incredible. What do you think it is? What are, What is at the foundation of, of how he – impacts you or or what of what are the pillars that he sort of helped to build within what you then spread out to others yeah i mean the first thing he just he has a high level of authenticity and mm. a high, high level of relatability like he uh we see all these different motivational speakers or high performance coaches and um they've actually never coached you know what i mean they've just wrote books or they've done conferences and me and rod we always have this joke we're like yeah all that stuff sounds fun and it really and, and it sounds like it, it's going to be a really good time until you lose three games in a row or till until a kid tells you to screw off. So um, the fact that he's super authentic, super real, he's walked it as a man, he's walked it as a coach, he's walked it as a leader. And, you know, one of the biggest phrases um, he's given me, two of them, um, just one is you can't give away what you don't possess. Every single person he works with, um, he challenges them with that. And now I challenge all the coaches and people I mentor with that. Because if I'm demanding my players to be tough or my players to function in life with a level of gratitude and I don't have gratitude or I don't have toughness, I can't give those things away. Um, and then the other thing he always says, which really, really helped us coach in college because now, you know, in our game today, so many coaches are blaming it on the kids, blaming it on NIL, but, and uh, we have a phrase and I've ran my business by this phrase the last five years of developing players and leaders, but um, uh, you're either coaching them to do it or you're allowing them to do it. So ultimately, mm. it comes back to us. We're either allowing them to do something uh, that we don't like or we're coaching them to do something we don't like. So the best place to look is within and look in the mirror if something's going wrong. So th those two, found I, I call them foundational truths that uh, Rod has given me and also held me accountable to ha ha has been a big impact on my life. That that is powerful. I am I'm glad you highlighted those things. You also, in the early part of your answer there, talked about coming out of a broken home. Um, I do believe, if I understand it correctly, though, your mom is is pretty impressive, and I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about why that is. Yeah. Um, no one really asked me about this, actually. So um, even when you asked just now, I almost started to get a little bit emotional. Uh, she went through a whole lot, just a whole lot. And, and one passion I have is um, helping other people, kind of myself, I got to look, but just be better men. Because I saw a lot of men not fulfill their responsibilities in our life, whether it was a father, whether it was how you treat a woman. And I, I saw that at um, some really, really low, really, really poor levels. But um, here's the coolest thing about my mom, and, and I never get to tell this story, but um, she never gave up on us as kids. She would work, and I always tell people this, there, there was a time um, we didn't have a place to stay, she would walk a mile to work a work at a gas station in our small town. 
And then there was a time um, she literally was waitressing at a truck stop and then cleaning houses of other people in our town. And, and I was in a town of about 9,000 people. So everyone knows everyone. So, and I didn't know any better as a kid, but when you're growing up, you think these kids are like your friends or, oh, you got to play basketball with them. When my mom was actually going over there to clean their house, it wasn't a play date. So her work ethic is phenomenal. It's unbelievable. Her level of resilience is phenomenal and unbelievable to go through what she did and never give up and still work extremely hard. And, and Tim, here's what's crazy. Um, I was just texting her today and, and, you know, I get to work with millionaire players now in the NBA. I get to train guys for pre-draft who have a chance to, you know, become a first round pick. And, you know, they talk about training's hard or life's hard. Anytime I think something's hard, I actually think about what my mom's doing right now, which is crazy because to sum her story up after these marriages, after these broken home things, she went back to school to become a massage therapist. She got her degree, one of the top certifications, whatever. But right now, this is crazy. She gets up at 4.30 every morning to be a bus aide. Today she does that, now. Today, and she doesn't have to. I'm like, mom, stop. I get up here. She loves the kids. She loves, and I'm like, I, I don't know if I'd get up at 4.30 in the morning to train a basketball player. <laughs> she right. literally gets about $15 an hour and she does other stuff, but like $15 to get up at four 30 in the morning and help these kids get to school. Then she has the rest of her day to do massages. Then she goes back at the end of the school day. So I'm like, guys, that that's hard work. What we're doing is basketball. That, that, that life stuff right there is really, really hard work. Wow. That's incredible. And you yeah. guys use the word strong all the time. Like that's, that's right. Me, man, that, that, that's that, really that's right. That is strong. I mean, that that just, yeah, that gives me goosebumps to hear all that. That is strong. Um, now that we're back in that early part of the story, Phil, obviously you mentioned uh, Rod Olson and, and the impact that he's had, but could you maybe pick one or two figures in your early life as all this chaos is going on at home, as your mom is, is being life strong and leading the way for you and the rest of the family? Take us into maybe a high school coach, um, a leader in the community, somebody, somebody or a couple yeah. of people that came alongside you, and maybe, maybe it was through the game and maybe elsewhere. Yeah, Phil, I, I love this because, uh, and I don't mind sharing my story, and I share this with um, a level of gratitude and humility. I'm not trying to elevate myself saying, I went through all this tough stuff, look at me. I'm mm. not saying it any way like that. But uh, And I hope every coach or leader, whoever's you know tuning into this, um, does something I was challenged with about four years ago. And Phil, this is how I'll answer your question. But I, I was meeting with um, kind of this life coach, therapist, leader type guy. And he just looked at me and he goes, Phil, like, it's almost amazing you're alive with some of the stuff you went through and how hard it was for your mom and how hard it was for your family. And he said this, and it's given me goosebumps now, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. He said, you must have had some people who really, really cared about you saw something in you and went out of their way to help you. And it was like, I just had the biggest swallow in the world. And there were, and what I did after that, I literally reached out to all of them and made a phone call and told them like, Hey, I don't think I'd be where I am without you. 
And I'm not just talking success on the basketball court. I'm talking about just being here and being a functioning adult. And uh, this is funny. There's two of them here still, still in the Valley. One lady, she was our school librarian and yearbook teacher. She was amazing. And the only reason we went into her office was because she kept candy in a jar at lunchtime. So we're just like, <laughs> punk, punk high school kids. We go in there, but she was a great lady, went to the local church, all that. And after my sophomore year, probably stealing way too much candy and I ever showed up, she goes, hey, you're a bright kid. You're a smart kid. Um, I want you to come be part of uh, my yearbook class. And she had a great phrase. There was just two words written above the door in our yearbook class. And this translated so much just to my life and coaching. And it was just two words. It said, be detailed, be detailed. And so you think about it, if you're like sports editor of the yearbook, you got to get every period, comma. And so she demanded detail out of every student there. And she also saw something in me and she knew my story and what was going on at home, but she chose me to be in that class. And I think that's what made me more of a detailed college coach or a detailed scouting report guy, because we walked in every day and we saw be detailed and she held us accountable to it. The other, um, the other person was actually a, uh, she was my freshman year science teacher and I called her and thanked her. We went to lunch just a year ago. Um, phenomenal lady, but, um, she, uh, she just had a gift of seeing the best in people, no matter what labels, you know, uh, someone else may have put on them. So even though maybe my dad got in a bunch of trouble or this person did a bunch of stuff, she saw me as Phil and gave me a chance to spill from science class to even she became a guidance counselor, helping me to get into college. And I remember when my dad passed away, um, our science year, great story. She let us watch Billy Madison one day, like in like the comedy movie, Billy Madison. And so we'd always talk about snack packs. And I remember I showed up to my junior year of school and she just wanted to wish me well and wanted me to be like, have a great start. And she gave me snack packs. And it was like a little just memento kind of thing that like, man, this lady thought about me. She cares about me. Two years later, after we joked around this movie. So again, I've taken that and I use it with all the players or leaders I consult with. And I think one of the best ways to connect with people is what she did. You create a memory and then you got to go revisit it. So Mm. literally yesterday I was training Anthony Simons in Portland, his first year in the league, you know, he didn't play at all. Dude drank more Dr. Peppers and ate more Reese's peanut butter cups than anybody. (laughs) You're skinny. You're 18. You're 19. Like eat better. So now he's laid off of them. But uh, I was at the store two days ago in Portland and I bought him Dr. Pepper jelly beans because I saw him. But I probably don't do those things if those two ladies didn't see something to me in high school and impact me in that same way. Wow. It's, it's contagious. And, and, um, it, and I could tell uh, just from, again, from afar, um, coach, you, you, as I'm getting the, the journey, the story, I'm putting it together. You, you, your mom went through a lot. You therefore went through a lot with her alongside her. Your dad passes away. It sounds like somewhere in high school. Um, I, I can't even begin to imagine how kind of, steep of a climb it could feel like at times where did the game come to you where did you go to the game and was that at any point and 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 at at all points maybe a respite for you uh in some ways from what was what was a really challenging chapter of your life 
Yeah, I think um, I, I got to spend about a year and a half, two years training Evan Turner, you know, the Portland Trailblazers, Philadelphia. Yeah. Like, and he said something, you know, he went through a lot. We've shared stories and, um, you know, he said something that was pretty interesting. And, and I don't know how many players or kids, you know, will listen to this, but I, but I hope they hear it. As you're growing up, Tim, you you actually don't know it's that bad mm. because like you're just living in it every single day. And Evan Turner was one. He's like, you know what, man, looking at looking back and I could blame my mom for this or my dad for this. And he shared something with me that helped me so much. He's like, but back then they just didn't know better. Mm. And you didn't know better either. So going through it, I didn't know better. But um, I did know one way I could give myself a chance or that I found like people kind of finding something in me was as, as a basketball player. So I started playing in junior high. Um, we, we lived right across the street um, from the elementary school. And again, you don't know any better. You have nothing else to do because you live in a house that, that we didn't even have air conditioning in Arizona, to be honest with you. It was a swamp. Cooler. What? Oh, it was hot now. Like a swamp cooler, waters just run on pads, the fan goes. And that's all it is. <laughs> so like, might as well go to the park. So he just played basketball all the time. And, and here's what I think players got to realize. And this is something I've struggled with too um, throughout my life. If, if you start to find all of your identity in that and all of your affirmation in that, when that goes away, you're left wondering who you are and what you're about. Because so many times, especially people who go through trauma or go through tough things or are trying to find a way out, they really try to make something of themselves, whether it's an athlete or a businessman or uh, money income wise. So people think they're successful. And that's something I've struggled with. They see this outer shell like, oh, man, he's a great player. He gets good grades. And you're really protecting yourself from everything you don't want to be judged on or everything that maybe went on at home. And there's so many players even now that I mentor and lead in the NBA. And they all want all these coaches want great player development drills. How do you teach Lillard how to shoot the deep ball and all we got to teach these guys how to be better humans first and how to give themselves a little bit of self-grace and be able to separate that identity from person to player and know who you really are and, and, and what your values really are. Wow. Yeah. Do, you, do you remember where that shell was when your playing days were over? Was that when that sort of came off and it was like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm going to have to reconfigure here and recalibrate because I don't have the ability to use that now as what distracts people from you know, this other stuff. Tim, if if I'm really honest with you and I love sharing this, it it actually came after like pretty much why I walked away from coaching college. Basketball was that always that thing you could put in front of yourself and look like you had, you know, everything put together and you were super successful, whether, you know, I played at Kansas Wesleyan, then go right to high school coaching, right to college coaching. And everyone sees Phil, the coach, Phil, the trainer, and it really, you know, the, and again, I should, I've shared this story before publicly, but, um, you know, the profession of college coaching just ate me alive after a mm. while, the recruiting, the demands, the winning, and you just look in the mirror, you're like, why am I doing all this? And so the last couple of years of coaching, coaching college, I really had a, you know, with Rod Olson's help and some other people, I had to look in the mirror and be like, why am I really doing this? What do I really want to be known for? What are we really about um, and, you know, and I'm still on that path of growth. And while I'm on that path of growth, now I'm trying to help others grow. And, you know, some of those same areas I, I had to face and be held accountable to. 
Bravo to you for going in the mirror and figuring that out. I think that's something that exists for all of us in some scale, level, shape, or way, but it's a tough look when you hit the mirror and it's, you've got to answer that tough question. Absolutely. Phil, was it when you were still coaching in college or maybe even before that, that you came up with this notion that as you've written before, and I think it's at the top of your Twitter profile, maybe still um, impact people equals impact um, performance that, you know, we talk, uh, talk an awful lot, as you said, about drills, and sometimes we go technical in some of these conversations and, you may well do that in an hour or part, part two, but, but it seems to start with impact people. Yeah, I think that's the whole foundation of development, especially player development. And that's something that's become, you know, I think I'm gifted at it. I think I'm favored in it. Um, I'm, I'm not just, you know, the smartest guy in the world. I think I'm blessed to be able to connect with people the way we do. But um, when I was looking at developing players, um, we actually came up with a pyramid-type model. And there's kind of each level of the pyramid. And the bottom of the pyramid was character. And we define character a little bit different. You know, there's the old cliche quotes like character is what you do when no one's watching. We've all heard that. And I don't disagree with it. But I think character comes down to your behaviors and your responses. Like if we want to evaluate the character of a pre-draft prospect or uh, a high level executive I'm working with, I want to know what their behaviors are because how you behave in different environments, how you behave in different situations, um, how you behave when everything's going great for you and you have all the clout in the world, like that says a lot about your character, your behaviors. And then the second part, um, Dame actually says this all the time. When a player struggles, he's always like, man, that dude has bad responses. He has bad responses. Like, you know, going back to my mom or me or you, Tim, like we've all had chances in life to respond one way or the other. Mm. And it might be as simple as a customer service phone call or as simple as like, hey, I just got fired from my job. I have two kids at home to support. Am I going to go clean these houses or am I just going to like, you know, let my kids start? Like character comes down to behaviors, behaviors and responses. So the bottom of our pyramid, Phil, is character. And, you know, even biblically, they say like a house built on sand will not stand. So like if, if we build any type of person or player from the top down, it probably ain't going to work. It'd be like building a house and you're like, hey, build the bathroom. Now build the closet. Uh-uh. We got to build the foundation first. And the best way to build a foundation with anybody is impacting them as a person, connecting with them as a person, knowing what makes them tick, knowing their strengths, their weaknesses. Um, a great, great leader, Craig Rochelle, I learned this and it helps so much with the Oklahoma City Thunder when I was there with their G League team. He said, you impress people with your strengths, but you connect with them through your weaknesses. So if you want to impact performance, Let's re, re, uh, reverse engineer that. We got to impact the person first. And impact the person, we got to connect and share our weaknesses, share our faults, share our strengths. And so I just kind of work backwards from there. And, you know, mo most of the guys have had pretty good results coming from it. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can say that again. And and you talk about the foundation of character. I go, I try to put myself in the shoes that, that you walked in at that moment that you were looking in the mirror and trying to figure out, do I want to do this? Do I want to keep grinding myself down to a pulp, which the coaching profession can do, especially college basketball and at the high levels that you were at, um, 
However, at the same time, you can make a good living. You can justify it. You can always sort of fall back on the exposure of it, the excitement of it, the yeah. big time aspect of of the levels that you were working up and in and around, and and it gives a decent paycheck for by most standards if if you yeah. make your your way long enough. So, did you when you hit that point? Were was there some scary moments of saying like, okay, I'm going to leave some of the comfortable aspects of this, um, the intoxicating aspects of this for something that I'm going to have to scratch from the, from the dirt and make, make my own economic way, make my note, my own culture, make my own way to impact others versus having this Avenue in front of you. That was a little bit comfortable. Yeah. Tim, did someone tell you to ask that question or did you like <laughs> around? Cause that was like, uh, that, that's pretty good. Um, right. Let's there. go. Um, yeah. It's like, you talked to a couple of like my best friends in the coaching profession and they told you like, you need to ask about like, uh, Oh man, I wish I could say yes. I didn't, I didn't have my Intel feelers out far enough, but I'm glad I, I've got yeah. even a blind squirrel gets a nut once in a while. Yeah. Kudos to you, man. Um, I, I love what you said though. Um, the intoxicating stuff. But like those are fleeting feelings. Um, here, here's something I, I haven't really shared with somebody. I'm, we're at Boise State. We helped turn Chandler Hutchison in from a guy who scored like four points a game to 24 points a game. And it was the number 22 pick in the NBA. Uh, it was just wow. great, you know, for nothing from something. We were picked seventh. We finished third. We were picked whatever. We finished second the next year. And I remember um, we beat San Diego State at home. Chandler Hutchison had broke, like, the school scoring record in a home game. And I walked out, and everyone's going nuts. Um, it was a sold-out game. And I remember walking off the floor, and I was just, like, utterly exhausted. Just, just like drained. And you hear coaches, especially at the higher level, say this all the time. They're like, man, sometimes winning isn't fun. It's just relieving. And I look and I'm like, man, I've been through too much shit in my life, part of my language to like live a life that I'm not enjoying. To live wow. a life. And I think what, what you said is you get the money, you get the accolades, you know, college coach, they give you a free car, all this stuff. And I, I just really look, I'm like, do I want to be unhealthy physically, mentally, spiritually, whatever, halfway unhappy, not even enjoy the most successful parts of this, Right, all, all for surface level success, surface level success. I'd rather have a deep level of significance in my life and other people's lives that I'm working with. And so where the fear came in, I'm walking away from college. I told the coaches, the players, I'm like, I'm going to take an NBA job. There were two or three um, teams that had reached out to me. And that time frame is different, you know, because NBA team season's still going on. But I'm like, I'm going to take an NBA job. I went and trained a guy named Tim Frazier in Portland, or I'm sorry, in Houston, who played six years in the NBA. Then I went to Portland to train Dame because I have this time off. And um, there was something in me that's like, I think I'm supposed to be doing this. Like, I feel on fire. I feel passionate. Like, these two guys want me to train them. I think I'm supposed to be doing this instead of sitting behind an NBA bench. And um, it was funny. I'm not going to say what team, but a team had called, team had just brought me out, visited that team. Another team had called me on Friday and said, let's talk Monday. The weekend, and this is crazy how your questions add up. I was associate head coach. I was 35 years old. I just left more than six figures um, on the table to leave. 
and I'm waiting for the next six-figure contract, move my stuff, pack it up, you know, whatever from the NBA team. That's how it works in college. Here we I'm go. Talking, I'm talking to Rod Olson, and um, I'm like, hey, I got to call this other team back on Monday as well. And he goes, what do you, what do you, what do you want to do? And I go, what do you mean? He goes, what do you think God really wants you to do? What do you think you're supposed to be doing? And without hesitancy, I said, without a doubt, start my own thing, train Dame, train Tim, and whatever else happens, happens. And he goes, you know what? You could go take this job with the NBA team. You could call the other team back on Monday. But I'd be really, really scared to go somewhere where maybe God doesn't want you. I swear, I didn't even call the other team back on Monday. I did it. (laughs) And it's five years later of doing this. Um, I've had tremendous success, not just with me, but like with our players. And I shared this with someone the other day. I wish I would have heard this to start my career. And I share it with every young NBA guy. Uh, Tony Robbins always says like, as humans, we underestimate um, what we could do in five years and we overestimate what we could do in one year. And that's mm. literally been my story. So there was a lot of fear, a lot of risk, um, but literally packed up in a U-Haul with one of my mentors, moved my stuff to Phoenix, didn't take an MBA job, didn't go back to college and just been doing this ever since. I, wow. I love it. And where this is where I was hoping what was going to come out of your answer, and I knew it would, is G and H, gut and heart, right? Because you went into your gut and your heart and you, yes, Rod Olson challenged you to listen to it, but it was there, like you said, without hesitate hesitating it was like you just you just answered it and and the answer was there it's just you, you had to sort of get pushed into a corner to really kind of blurt it out there and then though you followed it and i think that that is something that is it's something that i look back on i think everybody can look back on that moment where rubber meets the road and were you did you have the courage to go into your gut go into your heart find what's already there and then follow it and kudos to you sir appreciate it man yeah it's not for everybody i'm sure we've all that's right but it's definitely um some scary and unsure feelings but you know dame says this all the time too it's like what what do you want to live with the pain of discipline or the pain of regret and Mm. the pain of regret you know just hurts so much more in the long run no doubt um you you've touched on a little bit there an element of this that it was literally stepping out in faith. So can you talk to us a little bit about how your faith journey and where that plays into not only your professional story, but really underpins everything you do? Yeah. Um, I'm not one of these guys. I believe I have a faith. I go to church, but I'm not one of these guys who, um, you know, beats the Bible says I'm perfect. I, I, I've cussed way too much. I've done a bunch of stuff I've regretted. Um, I'd say my faith journey is really, really up and down. Um, but it's something that I've learned um, I have to be dependent on because I'm not good enough myself. Um, I have not, not only with the faith, but same thing with other people mentoring or helping us. It's actually a quote right here on my wall, um, but, but have it in my office. I share it with a ton of players and it says, all we are and all we have is a gift from God or from others contributing to our life. All we are and all we have is either a gift from God or a result of others contributing to our lives. So pretty much that means like, Phil, you haven't done crap. 
Like either God gave you these gifts to be detailed, to be sharper, or like we talked about, some of these mentors helped us get there. And Phil, uh, sorry, same thing. Tim, sorry, same thing. Like we're so to have a faith and to put, you know, our dependence on someone or something else, I think, and again, this is, you know, strength and being strong. I think that's the ultimate strength. Like uh, sometimes the biggest battle you win in life is by surrendering is by giving up, like strong people could surrender, strong people could apologize, strong people could approach things with humility. And um, that I mean, I know how screwed up I am and how much I've been through and why it's so important to have a faith or at least different, you know, biblical truths in your life, whether you're perfect or not. Um, Because I've also seen all the results of if you don't have them, you know, what I went through growing up or past mistakes I've made. So Phil, to be honest, my my journey has still been a roller coaster. There's a b- bunch of ups and downs. It's never been just one way taking off. Um, and that's something I got to own, something I continue to improve on. But I also hope it's encouragement to others because so many people think you got to step into this realm of perfection, not only, mm. but in life. And like, that's not realistic. None of us are perfect. We're, we're all broken people. Rod says this all the time. People are messy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really? Amen. That that is exactly right. So given that and given what you do at such a high level and and what you've fallen into uh impacting people like you said in order to do that you do have to start with a connection and a relationship but I always hear that I always hear that. I mean so many people say, well, you got to make the connection, you got to connect with your players, you got to make relationships, but I don't often hear people say how they do that or 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 give a pro tip of like how this person that is great at developing relationships, how they do that. What are the ways that you do it? Yeah. uh, Number one, you got to listen to them. These, especially professional athletes, like everyone is always talking to them, tweeting at them, you know what, like you got to just sit there and listen to these guys. And just like any relationship, um, you know, you hear about, I'm not married, but people who are married, like you have to put time into these things. Um, so what, what I try to do, I try to give my time to these guys in, in three major areas, like th- three major areas. One is um, just texting them. Like I will literally be strategic and the guys, I call it a cheat sheet. And a lot of people in our coaches mentorship group, we go over how to design a cheat sheet. I just spoke to um, a big electric company in Colorado Springs. And we went through how each salesman and sales leader could have their own cheat sheet. And so whoever's kind of in front of me right now or whoever I've been given the responsibility to lead, I write their name down on this cheat sheet. So then when I grab my manila folder here and open it up, I'm like, oh, man, when's the last time I've, I've talked with Anthony Simons? When do I, so I always text them. The other part of texting, and I know we're always on our phones and it's a huge distraction, but here's something great. Um, that, that I think really, really works. I remember one time, quick story. I remember one time um, I was training Damian Lillard in LA, uh, Los Angeles, California. And that is a guy I've coached since he was 18 years old. And we have this little phrase, NGE, not good enough. And I'm the guy where like, nothing's ever good enough. Nothing's ever good enough. Nothing's ever, And it's about the fourth day of training him in LA. And he looked at me, and this is like an NBA all-star, already been an NBA uh, rookie of the year. All of a sudden, he's just like, Phil, can you tell me anything good? Do I do anything good? And, but but here's what's crazy. I know we laugh, but I'm like, I need to be a better leader. 
Wow. I need to tell this guy, and Kevin Eastman says it all the time, but you got to catch someone doing something right. We were pursuing that goal mm. of making the playoffs, being an MVP, being a, that you you forget to celebrate the success or celebrate the wins along the way. So here's a great strategy on connection. Tim, if I'm at dinner with someone a year from now and someone's like, man, do you know this guy, Tim? He has a phenomenal podcast. He does, man, he just, he reached out to me once and he was great. If I hear your name at a dinner and someone compliments you, I text you and tell you that. So anytime someone says something great about someone else, I literally pick up my phone and I tell that person that, or, Hey, thinking about you, you have no clue how much of a stud you are. I do that with my players all the time. And um, we kind of have a rule through be better, be different through driven basketball, all this stuff I do. It's like, and we just say, how dare you not tell someone else how great they are? How dare you not tell a teammate how special they are? If you have something great to tell someone, tell them. So that's how I give my time one through texting. And even if it's dinner, I'm like, hold on. I got to tell this dude, someone else is praising them or speaking highly of them. The second way it's old school, but um, probably every other trip when I leave from working with someone, I leave them a handwritten note and not just like a summary of the drills, but belief where they've grown in a person, what I think of them. No, they walk into their locker the next day. They're like, what the heck is this? They don't even see me that day, but there's a handwritten note. Um, Whatever they're going through, I think notes are powerful. Um, You never know how much it'll stick with you. There was a young college kid I trained four years ago. Um, He went through like one of the toughest years of his life, wasn't sure to transfer, didn't know if he's going to keep playing. Um, He actually declares for the draft. So his mom has to go and clean out his room, his dorm room. Tim, I'm getting goosebumps with this one. She sends me a picture. I had only saw him two times that year, and he had both notes on his wall with nothing else on there. No. Like, man, how how important are our words? How important to take the time to tell someone, like, and she sent me, and I'm, I got goosebumps right now. Like, I'm with you. The third way, and this is huge, um, and we talk about this for Formula Zero, the camp Dame and I, uh, you know, started for elite level high school and college players. And it's a phrase our church says all the time in in Phoenix, too. But um, we want nothing from you and everything for you. So every time um, and this is funny because two nights ago, this one really bit me in the ass. I took Anthony Simons and one of my assistants to dinner, but every time we take a player to dinner, I don't care if it's a $50 million guy or a hundred dollar guy, we pay for dinner. No questions asked, no fights. I don't care who you are. So if I take Dame, I actually just took Ant to dinner. It was not a good price that that I really like, <laughs> but, but we pay it. And I look at him, I say, hey, we want nothing from you and everything for you. And I say, let us be the guy. You have to do so much for other people because you got money. You got the status. You got, let us be the people to do something for you. Talk about impact. That, that, that's, see, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about is not just you telling us, no, nah, you got to get up there and create, you're going to get out there and create relationships with your players and connect with them. But those are, those are real. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. You mentioned, um, be better, be different. Can you talk to us a little bit about that and, and particularly where, where the, the name and the philosophy came from? 
Yeah, um, I'm glad you asked where the name and philosophy uh, came from, because a lot of people don't know the original story, Phil. Um, it's pretty cool because now, like, you know, all these dudes are wearing the hoodies and wearing the shirts and the wristbands and they believe in the message of being better and being different. The message is is really simple. Um, be better, be different. The better means we have all been given some God given gift or talent. And I always say in development, if you, to, to get better or to become elite, like you got to be great at what you're good at. So like, Tim, if I worked with you, I want to find your greatest strength, your greatest gift, your greatest talent, and let's maximize that. And let's build upon that because everyone's better is somewhat different, right? Like I can't get out of bed and be Giannis or LeBron. I use that at like, they're better but like everyone does have some type of better that we got to maximize and use and find like that great thing. And then obviously if you're better is not maybe what Giannis or LeBron has, how do you catch them? Or how do you find a way to separate yourself or close the gap? Well, that's different. And different comes down to your character, your attitude, your responses. We actually have like a, the word different stands for a little character curriculum. Each letter stands for something, you know, discipline, integrity, faith, fight, empathy, um, R, resilient, E, enthusiasm. What letter am I on now? E, R, N, N, no excuses, T, teamwork. So we go through all that with these guys. And here's what we say. If you're better, you have an advantage, right? You have an advantage. Sure. If you're different, you have an advantage. If you're ever both, then you have a chance to be elite. And wow. here's and here's the background of where it came from. It's really, really cool. Um, Larry Shiat did this clinic in Florida um, forever. It was like, it used to be this top secret clinic. And I was a, a, a ops guy at, at Weber State. I heard about this clinic. The best of the best go there. I wrote him a handwritten note and I said, coach, I just want to come learn. I'll sweep the floors. I'll record it. Like I heard Doc Rivers goes, Brad Stevens was at Butler. I go, I just want to learn. I won't bug anybody. I won't talk to anybody. I know Kevin Eastman went to it, this and that. And same thing, Larry Shiat's phenomenal. He cares about impacting coaches, and that's why I try to pay this forward so much now. But um, he wrote me back an email. He goes, any friend of Kevin Eastman's is a friend of mine. Phil, you could come. We'll send you the info. I'm like, my jaw drops. I'm like, holy cow. <laughs> I'm like, how did – I'm literally sitting there at a table with, like, Dell Harris – Travis Ford, Brad Stevens is by, and like I'm, I'm shaking, and I know better than like to talk to anybody. Here's what happens though. This was so freaking powerful. We're at Weber State. We're trying to get over the hump. We have not won. We won the conference championship, but we haven't gone to the NCAA tournament. We also have this really good guard who's been a conference MVP for like one or two years now. He's like six two. Thinks he could, people think he could be pretty good. I'm negative. I'm like. At best, he's a late first-round pick. Maybe it's a you know. But this guy, it was actually Darren Horn. And I, I'm good friends with Darren Horn. I talk about him, talk about this all the time. Darren Horn had just took a year off from coaching, and he went around, and he watched the best of the best. And so going back to Be Better, Be Different, he got up there. He goes, you know what I figured out? The people who win at the highest levels in college sports or pro sports, they're either just better or they're different. And the light went off on my head and I don't remember anything else from the clinic that day or <laughs> just like, hold on. So Damian Lillard isn't better than maybe these guys at Kentucky or UCLA or Duke. So what do we have to do? We have to be different. Um, what, like we don't have as much money as some of these schools. So what do we have to do? We have to be different. 
And what happened, and Dane gets all the credit for this, he was different for so long, and he maximized his strengths. He actually became better than everyone else. Not everyone, but, you know, most of those guys, too. Yeah. So then once you're better and different, then you become elite. And so um, we've always just used this philosophy training-wise, and it was crazy. One year, um, I trained about 15 NBA guys. I got them all a wristband made. And when I handed it to them, some of those guys acted like I handed them a Mercedes. And like Mikkel Bridges, who never misses a game, for two years straight, he wore the same Be Better, Be Different wristband until it broke. So the message works. They believe in it. There's character behind it. There's, you know, high-performance coaching behind it. But we truly believe, like, if you're better and you're different, you're going to have a chance to be elite. That that's special. I I have to imagine though, when you're trying to be better and different, there is a temptation to fall into do more, which doesn't always have to be the way. It sometimes, I think, anyways, has to be train harder but smarter. Do you ever have to help some some of these players that have it in them to be better and different to to pump the brakes a little bit? Tim, that's where you're a genius. The different part is doing less sometimes. Right. (laughs) The different part is recovery. The different part is being able to count on the compound effect of our body of work over time. Literally last night, I was just in Portland. um, Damon and shot together and we're just working on an inverted jab, just working on moving our right hip, our right shoulder all the way through. So we got to move our ball all the way back and then shoot through our shot. And I told them, I'm like, hey, I want to go at about a 50% pace, but 100% movement. And like Damian Lillard could not slow himself down. I'm like, (laughs) like, like, he was going 100% pace, 100%. And I'm just like, but you're right. And I think so many kids and not even just kids, man, I struggle with. Right. It. We think. Doing Absolutely. And, and here's what we say. You know what? And I don't have the answer for all of this yet. I would love your guys' feedback on this even right now. But how you would define this. We tell players, kids at Formula Zero, the executives we work with, Dame, like you, you want to be the right kind of different. I don't know how you would define it, but like too much in our society, everyone wants to be different for the wrong ways to draw attention to themselves. And so like you got like to train, like we need to be the right kind of different. We trust our body of work. We go to bed at a decent time. We don't just, you know, wake up at five in the morning to train just to say we did it. Then your body's gassed three days later. So um, that that's definitely a challenge, especially with the high performers to get them to tone it, you know, tone it down a little bit and trust the process. And, and, and I think guys can always trust the process when there's a phenomenal plan in place. And, 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 you know, that's our responsibility as a coach, but it's their responsibility as a player to buy into it. So good. There's an example of what you just talked about, Phil. I believe that Dame maybe put in 37 straight days of practice at, at one point, and maybe you were like, whoa, okay. So <laughs> one of the things this guy has to be better and also different is obviously just this ferocious work ethic. But how do you... How do you deal with that kind of um, pumping of the brakes while also getting people to still develop and and making it feel like they're not undermining their strengths? Yeah, Phil, and, and here, here's what I think, too, what, what happens. Um, Dame, Dame's a freak. I mean, he really is. I'll probably never coach a guy with the same mindset and mentality um, that he has. 
I mean, just the odds of it. And I think too many times we want everyone to fit into these same cylinders or areas that I, every other player did. I think what you just asked about, how do you get a kid to pump the brakes? Or here's what I would challenge you know you with too. Sometimes how do we get a kid to, to freaking hit the gas? And at that time yeah. in Dame's development, I was trying to get him to hit the gas. That's what I wanted him to do because the back end of that story, he got pissed off at me because I kept calling him a 50-50 guy. I said, one day you work hard, the next day you don't. And that's a label we'll call guys sometimes like, no, you're a 50-50 guy. Or you want to work hard four days of the week, then you get to Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you want to go out and party and put, that's a 50-50 guy. So he looked at me and he goes, "Um, I don't want to be a 50-50 guy anymore. I'm going to show you. So he would literally do our team workout, work out with me, and not take a day off. And the reason why it was 37 days straight was because on Sundays, he would go to the gym, and I would try to get him to quit. I'm like, no, I'm not training you. Because it's always easy to show up with with the guy you're going to prove wrong. Yeah, I'm not going to train you. So I'd have to go open the, the event center for him. He'd get on the gun, and he would shoot. And this is in an article somewhere from a long time ago. And I would actually hide up top because I thought like, hey, this cat probably stayed out till two in the morning, like all these college dudes. He shows up at 8 a.m., has me open the gym, sets the gun up, and he's like, I'm out. I'm taking a locker room or I'm taking a nap in the locker room or I'm going back to the dorm, you know. But I'd sit up there and watch him and he would just shoot and shoot. And um, it's one of the coolest Lillard stories of all time. But I would text him. So that was like four or five, you know, straight. (laughs) And I would just say, how many? So like the first one means make, like how many makes? He made 250. Then the next week, I'm like, how many? 350. Next week, 450. And I got the number saved somewhere on my phone, but it was like the fourth week. And I said, how many? And he texts me, talk about goosebumps again. He goes like 670 makes, my shoulder hurts. <laughs> and I'm just like, but what we had to do, and I think this is what's really important for coaches and players to hear, is we had to hit some milestones along the way in their development. And I just talked about this with with another group. Like everyone thinks there's this light bulb switch that goes off. Like it's yeah. not always like that. There, there's a habit to their growth. And Phil, the secret sauce, the um, the sweet spot is whether you got to get that kid to hit the gas or pump the brakes. And that's where the art of coaching comes in. And you got to combine it with the science of their body and their recovery and, and all of that. Wow. Coach, I, we, we talk and, and just sort of, I'm taking so many notes and, and, and the experiences you've had with Damian Lillard and, and, just kind of what you've said, even on this episode and, and elsewhere, how much you've taken from him and, and how special that has been and the model that he is to making an impact on you and to others that both of you now work with and share with. Um, and that's that's out there, right? The the Damian Lillard um, model is out there for those, thanks to you and, and to Damian for, for uh, putting that model there. Who are you mentioned a few and I don't know if if these are the ones that that the answer is but Chandler Hutchinson, Tim Frazier, who are the ones and is there one that maybe there's an unsung person that player that you feel like you know what they've done something not just what they've done but how they've done and maybe haven't haven't hit 
all the points where they're going to get all the publicity for it, or they just aren't at a place where that's coming to them right now that we should hear the name of. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to flip that a little bit first before Please. I the player. Um, Dame has had a tremendous impact on so many people as a leader. Um, that there's story after story in Portland and, and he deserves so much credit for it. Um, but he also doesn't want to take the credit for it. That, that's what makes him so different. Even starting the formula zero camp and wow. the, the formula, what we call the formula is based on three things, character, work ethic, and accountability. Those are the three things that have been like the staples of his career. But th- there are some people in his life that not every- everyone always hears about Phil Beckner now or Randy Ray at Weber State, these guys who coached him. But there's a guy named Raymond Young in Oakland, California, who was his AAU coach who made that dude run with bricks and sell pizzas at Raiders games to play AAU um, to would kick him out of the gym. Uh, there's a guy named Chris Farr, who's a big part of our formula formula zero, who was his pre-draft trainer and uh, from Oakland and instilled a level of toughness and conditioning in him. And what, what makes this so special, it is maybe the Dame formula, but this dude is such a freak. He says, he told all these kids at camp, the top top 20 high school kids, top 20 college players, and he just goes, guys, I'm not the formula. I'm just a product of it. Everyone here is who created this formula. The Raymond Youngs, the Chris Fars, Damian Lillard's dad, Phil Beckner, Caleb Canal, the NBA coach. And like for him to say that, like people need to know that. He needs to be that level of, um, he needs that level of, What's the word? Um, empowerment as a leader, because it is right. a zero, but he's saying like, hey, we could all have the formula. All these guys are part of it. He's like, I'm just the greatest example and have had the greatest success of using it. Holy is, cow. I mean, he's so special. So the player, here's what I would say. You actually said the guy's name because like everyone loves the Damian Lillard stories. Why? Right. He's an all-star. Uh, you know, two season or I'm sorry, two, uh, two playoff ending series clinching game winners, won the three point contest, won the skill contest, rookie, all this stuff. But like there's another example of a player and I actually talk about him with all the corporations and teams I speak with. And it's the guy you said, Tim Frazier. Wow. So people don't know Tim Frazier's story. And Tim is a guy. He went undrafted at Penn State. He had to go um, straight to the G League. He started off with like two or three 10-day contracts, kept getting cut, finally like maybe got a contract with Philly, but then goes to Portland and um, he sees Dame like third year in the league, whatever it is, like always the first one in the gym. This is a great story and it's never told. Like you guys need to clip this for everybody, I'm telling you. Tim sees this dude working. Tim wants to survive on his 10-day and he's like, bro, I see how hard you work. Can I work out with you? Can I shut like what? And Dame looks at me and goes, if you can keep up. <laughs> Here's what's powerful though. Tim Frazier has kept up for about the last seven years. And people always want these all-star great stories. I tell the story all the time. Tim Frazier has been cut in the NBA seven times. Seven times they have told him, you're not good enough. We're not renewing your contract. Go home, whatever it is. The Washington Wizards, New Orleans Pelicans, twice actually, Portland Trailblazers. 
Pistons, Magic. And I have this picture. It's actually in my office right here, and it's signed by him. And it was after COVID. People are like, hey, you're never going to make it again. You've been cut seven times. Um, they said he couldn't shoot the ball. He would follow me and Dame around everywhere and just worked on his shot the last however many years. After COVID, it's super hard to get a job now. And uh, there's a picture of him standing like this, screaming. He has a Be Better, Be Different wristband on, and he's wearing a Memphis Grizzlies jersey, and he got a contract with them after he had been cut like seven times in the NBA. So you talk about character, work ethic, and accountability. That's the formula. And Tim deserves all the credit in the world. But him and Dame have been, like, at the hip. Like, those two dudes have fought in workouts, fouled each other in games. Like, it's through. we've thrown basketballs at each other. Like, you have no clue. But Tim is an example of what a lot more players could be. Not everyone could be Dane. They need to be a Tim Frazier and find a way to survive, find a way to be better, find a way to be different, find a way to keep making it. So that's the guy, man. Like he's a just poster child of resiliency and, and battling through things. Well, isn't that the definition of what you talked about earlier of what's part of what you it's behaviors, but responses, right? So what's your response when you hit the mat? What is your response when someone tells you you're not good enough? And his seven times two by one team, most people don't make it all seven of those without saying, you know what? white flag. I'm, I'm gonna, we got to find something different here. I can go get a bunch of money somewhere else and I can, you know, put this part of the dream away and stay in the game somehow, some way. Um, it's his response, right? Absolutely. Pretty special. Wow. He, he's, he's an unbelievably special dude. So proud of him. Incredible. We could say that maybe, you know, part, part of that responsiveness can come from emotion sometimes. And, and one of the things as we were researching this pretty hard, we came across something you had written, which was one of the biggest differences between a pro and a prospect is the emotional maturity each one shows up with. Prospects, emotions determine actions. Pros, passion and purpose determine actions. Could you take us into that a little bit? Yeah, one, one thing we've done and we've dove into a ton the last four years, me and my team, is what's the difference between a pro and a prospect? Like there, there are a million prospects out there, people who are being a – and this isn't just basketball, guys. This is life. Like you're a prospect for a job. You're a prospect of if the chick wants to marry you or not. Like you right. become a pro when you get the contract, you become a pro when you get the job. And then like we tell all the young guys we're leading and coaching now, it's actually gotten easier to make it nowadays to the NBA. It's gotten way harder to stay in the NBA. When you look at this, like there are more, there's more jobs. There's 510 jobs in the NBA right now because of two-way contracts. It used to be 450. There's, there's more job. It's gotten easier to make. It. It's gotten harder to stay. But so many times, especially in the world we're living in and functioning in, emotional maturity is huge. Like mm. if your emotions determine your actions every day, man, like there's a lot of days I don't feel good and I don't want to go work out. There's a lot of days um, my mind's somewhere else and I don't want to organize all my plans or go through my business documents. And if we base those things on emotions and we know this, emotions are fleeting. Emotions are up and down. Like it's a roller coaster of emotions in life. We all go through that. But the guys who are pros, 
who stay in the NBA or who outlast others with their jobs. Those are the guys who are making decisions based on, like you said, their mission, their purpose, their convictions, what they really, really, really believe in. And, and that's a part, you know, going back to development, man, if we don't help these kids identify those things and know what they're relying on and believing on, they're going to go 800 different directions. Um, we, we always talk about this. High clarity equals high performance. If you know where you're going, how you're supposed to get there, when you're supposed to get there, you're going to get there a lot better and more efficient than the guy who just has some vague instructions or, or, or vague directions. And that goes back to the same thing with emotions. Like if Tim Frazier would have made his decision or, or, or deter, like you said, Tim, determine his response based on his emotions those first four days after he got cut, yeah, you're shaking your head because he would have never made it again. But he did it on his convictions, his mission, his ultimate purpose, his ultimate goal. And when you look at our world now, everything has sped up with social media. Everything is sped up with phones and technology. There's not a lot of time to just sit there. And yeah, I mean, you're shaking your head again, but like you're saying, you sit there and really determine what we want and who we want to, what we want to be known for and who we want to be. And when we have those, those will easily outweigh emotions when things get really, really tough. That's so on point. And I think that it brings me to someone that I consider a mentor and uh, one of the greatest leaders I've ever been around, Mitch Kupchak. And um, I worked for Mitch with the Lakers. And it, the thing that made him a pro's pro is a term we hear, but what does it mean? To me, it really does come down to this idea of I always knew it was steady. I always knew what I was going to expect. He was very clear with his expectations of me, but I always knew what to expect of him. He was not a roller coaster of emotions. He was not high one day, low another day, this, that, and all over the place and hard to kind of peg which version am I going to get. And to me, that that is sort of it. Just sort of the person that defines exactly what you just talked about of uh, not letting our responses be dictated or our behaviors be dictated by our emotions, uh, and and just exactly as you had laid it out there. It's 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 a beautiful thing, Coach. I have one question before we get to the final question. I, I'm I'm dying to hear this because I hear so many people just killing the game, just you know old old men and women on the porch, and they're saying the game has changed. It's changed for the worse. It's getting terrible out there. I can't even watch it. Uh, I, I used to be able to watch college. Now I can't even watch that. Forget about the NBA. I can't watch it. All this other stuff. Um, squash that because it, you know, you're know you leading the charge of what yes, we can all sit here and admit that the game is changing. And I would say it better be because that's what things that evolve and get better do. But uh, it, it go go counter the, the, the old man or woman on the porch who's saying it's, it's getting worse in front of our eyes. Well, well, Tim, I will counter that, but I, I also got to admit, um, I've been that guy sometimes. Like, <laughs> me too. On. Hey, go, me too. Go to, go to the park and work on my kids. Let's go. You know, because like, <laughs> right. of Instagram training. So I, I am guilty of that. And if people Give us some, part of both. Twitter, they'll, they'll see some of that. But um, here, here, here's a good one. You, you want a good one that, that I got confronted with for our game, yeah. especially for coaches, leaders, are you guys doing this? with change and with where this stuff is going with, 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 and here's a, like doc says this all the time, you know, I've worked with the Sixers the last two years as a player development consultant. And he looks at guys on our team and he's like, 
people always ask who's better, like my generation or the players now? He's like, guys, I played 15 years in the league with one hand. He goes, I can't <laughs> He's like, the players nowadays are so much better. They play longer, faster, more athletic, you know, and he's just like, you guys are so much better. Um, what he does say, though, he goes, I don't know if they're more together, though. He goes, because when we got on a bus, Doc says this all the time, we got on a bus, and he's like, if Jordan cooked you, you weren't on your phone or on your headphones Everyone is telling you about how Jordan cooked you or how, you know, (laughs) so like there's good and bad. Yeah. You, maybe you missed some of that, but like there are players making plays that no one could do. And, and here's the question we got to ask ourselves, you know, about the game and what we're doing for it or what we appreciate. And this is such a humbling question to me. I'm not posing this question as like, I'm perfect. I'm posing this question as like, I got to ask myself this. Are you an advocate for where the game is going? Are you an arsonist for where the game is going? Are you trying to build this up and support it? Are you trying to burn it down? Like there's a lot of advocates out there. There's a lot of arsonists out there. And here's here's what I would say about where the game is today um, that that I think is phenomenal. The pace, the space, the multi-positional players, um, the multi-positional offenses that are out there, it allows so many more people to play and compete in this game at every level. I really wow. believe that. Maybe I'm outside the box, but now, like, you go to Lifetime Fitness, there are more dudes shooting threes and five guys on the perimeter. We're like, when I grew up playing pickup, if I was 6'3 and the tallest on the court, they're like, Phil, you're at the – and I was a shooting guard. They're like, well, you got to right. be that guy. Like, No. <laughs> So now you look at the pace, the space, the shooting, the uh, multi-position, same thing, high school kids. Like now more kids could play the game at the high school level because you could play five guards out there. It's not like, well, we need a tall kid. Well, we need and, – and I think that's a really, really good thing for the game, for the sport of basketball right now because it, it also increases um, decision-making and skill level. Now, as a a player who's going to work, you can't just always, you know, knock the hell out of someone with your size and athleticism. Right. Now now a big separator is your decision-making or the the skill levels that you have. And I think that kind of evens the playing field sometimes, which makes it a more competitive sport then. I hadn't thought about it that way, but that that is beautiful. Okay, Coach, final question. This is the Basketball Strong Podcast. The question, you can answer it from your gut, your heart, and put it through your mind and and tell us what what comes to mind here at first. But what does it mean to you to be basketball strong? Um, Initially, and this is where I probably got to get better. I I, I love this question, but like, I don't think basketball strong. Um, when, whenever you use the word strength, I go back to just that foundation of, you know, impacting people and performance and trying to build, you know, from the ground up, I, I think being really strong nowadays, um, and obviously we shared a little bit about what I went through. It's like, you, you gotta be able to take punches. The people who could take punches are super, super strong. It's not always the guy throwing the punch. And, and I talk about this with, you know, boxing sometimes, Everyone thinks like these prize fighters, like the, the the world champions. They're like, oh, yeah, they knock people out or they're a great puncher. But to, to be someone who goes like 30 and 0 
or win like 25 fights, you also got to be able to do what? Take a freaking punch. You are taking punch after. So like strong individuals, they, they, they could take a punch. They actually like the taste of their own. Like I'm a little sick. Dame's a little sick. Like we like the taste of our own blood sometimes. Like sometimes we <laughs> taste it a little bit. Um, but you know what really strong basketball players do? I will say this. And I think this is a um, ultimate separator in development. And this is what NBA teams are looking for. College teams are looking for. Everyone conditions players to do what? Run and be in shape. But can we condition their mind and their body, their mind and their body, condition their mind, callous their mind and their body to be able to shoot, uh, guard, and perform at an extremely high consistent level? So like a lot of like just core strength, hip strength, we do shooting drills. A lot of trainers, you got to run down and back 10 times and then shoot five shots. We shoot like 50 shots in three minutes and your shoulders burning. We want to be con- condition our body that way, be conditioned to shoot the ball, be conditioned wow. to sit down, be conditioned to take a charge through your te- chest. And the same thing would be basketball strong. You got to condition your mind. You really got to have your mind conditioned to attack, to compete, to take a punch. Like if your mind's not conditioned, you're never going to be able to condition your body. So good. And that, and that's, that couldn't be more true. I mean, we all know it that we don't know when, but we know a punch is coming, whether we're talking in a micro version of in a game uh, or we're, we're talking about a a certain section of the game, a, a play, whatever it is, or we're talking in life, it's coming. And what, what, what does Tyson, what did Tyson say? He says, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Right. And so what, what are you going to do then? That's the response. Uh, that, that was, that was just excellent. And this has been outstanding coach. Tell people where they can follow, where they can check in, where they can just soak up more of what you got. Yeah. Um, I don't have a ton of stuff. My Twitter is at Phil Beckner, my name. Um, if anyone, wants to reach out and I could do anything for them personally, professionally, player development wise. Uh, my email, Phil, P-H-I-L at develop, D-E-V-E-L-O-P, the number two, compete. So Phil at develop to compete.com. Um, yeah, anyone's more than welcome to reach out. Coach, absolute fire. Thank you so, so much. You guys are great. Thanks for having me. Love your purpose of why you're doing this. I love your passion and why you're doing this, Phil. Thank you for having me. Um, questions were phenomenal and, and continue to do what you do. I love, love what you guys are doing. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's show, and we hope you did, please give us a good review on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you listen to podcasts on. And so you never miss a weekly episode, be sure to subscribe and follow. You can find previous episodes on our show website. That's www.basketballstrongpodcast.com. For more basketball performance resources and nagging injury solutions, follow me on Instagram at TD Athletes Edge and follow Phil at Phil White Books. Until next week's episode, stay basketball strong.